Welcome today to Morning Glory. Why don't you grab your Bibles and meet me in the book of Romans, chapter 5. And today, let's talk about the royalty of the believer. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come and that he would illuminate the scriptures and that we can understand them within our heart, within our mind. Father, let us take your word and apply it to our lives. Let us live by it. And we thank you for the changes that it is going to affect in the way in which we live and that it's going to make our lives much, much better. Father, we give you the praise in Jesus' name. We all agree today and say amen. Romans 5 and verse 17, it says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one. Now that would, would be referring to Adam because of his original sin. It released sin into the human race. And it is the sin problem that is the major problem of the world because sin has separated man from a holy God. But yet we know that Jesus made redemption through his blood. Now, for if by the one man's offense, that would be Adam's sin, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So Adam being the first man who for a while did it right and lived in the Garden of Eden and had a wonderful life with his wife. And everything was going wonderful until sin came into the world. Well, the last Adam, Jesus. Now, Jesus was not named Adam, but he's referred to as Paul as the last Adam in the sense that what the original one lost, Jesus as the second Adam or the last Adam won it all back. Praise God. And he did it through his sinless sacrifice of laying down his life at the cross there at Calvary. Now, I want to read this verse to you from the Weymouth translation. And it says, For if through the transgression of the one individual, of course, we know that's Adam, death made use of the one individual to seize the sovereignty, all the more shall those who receive God's overflowing grace and gift of righteousness reign as kings in life through the one individual, Jesus Christ. Now, this issue of reigning in life as kings is very, very important. We have the word king here, excuse me, the word reign here in every translation, whether it's New King James Version or all the various versions that are out there. But it basically is translated as to rule over, and it uh, carries the connotation of kingship, to rule. This is amazing, to reign. Praise the Lord. Now, Pastor Stephen, what are we supposed to reign over? Well, it says that we will reign as kings in life. So anything in life that the devil throws at you or just that the world system throws at you because the world system is a fallen system that in many ways still retains a lot of the original beauty and a lot of the wonderful things that God created it with. 
but it, if you look carefully, you'll see that so much of it is tainted with sin. You can look at a beautiful mountain. And, you know, you could think, wow, that's beautiful. It's got the purplish hues and it's uh, the sun setting and it looks so beautiful. Uh, but don't look too close because if you look too close, uh, you'll probably see trash and litter that somebody left up on the mountain. Maybe you'll see pollution in the sky. And you'll see all of these various things that are affected by sin and the working of sin throughout the world and even what we could call a fallen world system, a world system that is affected by sin and people that are living in the world that are under the effects of the sin situation. Now, we have been redeemed out of it through Christ and because of that, because we have received abundance of grace and because we have received a gift of righteousness, now we are able to reign in life as kings. How? Through the one, Jesus Christ. Woo! Praise the Lord. Now, we have the potential to rule and reign over all of the yucky stuff that's out there that would try to invade your sovereignty, your area. Okay? And while we read amazing scriptures like this in the Bible. I mean, this is New Testament as New Testament that you, you can get. Really, theologians agree across the board that the greatest book that the Apostle wrote, the Apostle Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit would be the book of Romans. It is a legal document explaining the new covenant that was brought in through the shed blood of Christ, what it means to us and what it opens up for us. Praise God. Well, here we see that it opens up kingship to us through our identity in Christ and through being empowered to live it out, not just in the world to come, but also in the world in which we live in right now where we can take promises like this and we can prove them out in the fallen world in which we live. This is very, very exciting. Well, Pastor Stephen, as I, I mean, there it is on, on the page, Pastor Stephen. I see it. It's obviously the Word of God, and it's not something vague. It's right there in the open. It's just as new covenant as it can be. But yet, if it really means what it says then why does it not seem to be, you know, lived out in a way where this is, this is something that's more common in the body of Christ? And I think that is something that we need to examine and that we need to look at because we can see these beautiful promises. We can see these wonderful conditions that are ours, but then for many, they can seem to be something that's Seems too good to be true. Why would that be? Well, first of all, I believe with all of my heart, in order to walk in the reality of Romans, the fifth chapter, verse 17, to walk in the reality of this, where that kingly anointing of reigning is really working in your life, you have to really walk close with God. If you don't, the natural circumstances of this world are going to hijack that potential anointing 
or that position and overwhelm it to a, a degree where you can't see any type of kingly anointing in there at all. Wow. But if you really walk close with the Lord and meditate on his word day and night and begin to apply the word to your life. In other words, you don't just see it and think, well, that's good. No, you, you actually start applying it to your life. Then the turnaround will begin to take place. I couldn't help but notice that a new study has just come out. And this is very recent within a few weeks. Another vast study that was conducted on ministers, particularly pastors in America. And it was a, it was a question. Now, the, the, as far as I know, the last time a very in-depth study was done like this was back in the 1990s. And when I saw the results back in the 90s, I think it was 1994, uh, I was just floored. Well, let's, let's move ahead and let's see how things are today. And I'll tell you what the study was from the 90s, then I'll, after I tell you what it is today. The, the question was presented to pastors, to church leaders, to ministers in America. I, I don't know how it is outside of America, but I know how it is here. The question was presented, how much time do you spend with the Lord every day in prayer and Bible study? And that was presented to many ministers and pastors, and, you know, this is for Christian, Christian ministers. And it wasn't just a few. It was a vast, you know, uh, interview and survey. And it was uh, all, all of the information was gathered. The data was collected. And the answer came back that the average pastor in America spends eight minutes a day with God. Wow. And, and, and that's why, that's why some of these scriptures that are so wide open and are so beautiful and are so amazing to some pastors and those that sit under their teaching, this stuff looks like fairy tales. Rule and reign and life as a king, come on, how can that be? Well, it, it can't be if you don't take it serious and you really don't take this stuff to heart. But that's why, by the way, the result from 1994 of a vast survey of pastors, how much time do you spend with God daily in prayer and Bible study? In 1994, it was 10 minutes a day. I remember seeing that and I was blown away by it. Uh, it it's tragic, really. But you know what? It hasn't improved in America. It's gotten worse. It's only eight minutes a day. Now, I, I do know men and women of God that walk with the Lord, and they're literally spending hours with the Lord every day. I, I don't know who's getting these surveys. I've never gotten one of those surveys. And, and my friends in ministry, I don't know if they've ever gotten one either. But those that are just out there ministering, they get these surveys and fill them out honestly. There's your results. The average pastor is spending eight minutes a day with the Lord. And so you can only imagine if the, if the leader is doing that, what's happening to the sheep that are following that shepherd? What is that shepherd feeding those sheep? And you can't really live in the reality of the new covenant and what it promises when you're just playing around. Woo. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, we have another condition. 
is probably based upon the first condition of not really walking close with the Lord. And the other condition would be is that many believers just don't know this. And if you told them this or showed this to them, they would say, well, how, how can that be? That looks impossible. My friends, really, this kingly walk, ruling and reigning in life as a king, is very, very closely tied to walking in the Spirit. If you walk in the flesh, you're not going to be able to manifest that kingly anointing. But if you walk in the Spirit, and your life is governed by the Word, and your life is governed by the Holy Spirit, and you're very, very much directed by the Word and the Spirit, you will begin to notice, particularly when you have knowledge of it, that that kingly anointing begins to come forth in your life, and there is a distinct separation in your life that's caused by the power of the Word and the guidance of the Spirit. Woo, praise the Lord. So we need to know it, we need to believe it, and we need to let the Holy Spirit help take us into this because there is teaching and training involved. You know, when Israel had their first king, they had never had a king before, and they really forced it prematurely. It wasn't the Lord's timing for them, but yet they really, really wanted a king. And the Lord just said, he told Samuel the prophet, he said, oh, well, just go ahead and let them have it. And, you know, it's, it's off. It's not going to work out the way it should because they're going to get a very carnal king. But nevertheless, they want a king. Okay, we're going to let them have a king. And so that king was Saul. But Samuel had to gather the nation together and teach them the protocols of royalty because they didn't know what it was. They didn't know how to treat a king, how to present a king, how to honor a king, how, to, how do we feed him, how do we take care of him, how are we supposed to act. And, and this is not only something they had to learn, this is something that the king had to learn. And so all of these new, new ways of royalty, it's not like this comes automatic. You have to learn these things. And I believe in the kingdom as we are led by the King of Kings, who is Jesus, that he does want to unveil to us this type of behavior. I'm not talking about some stuffy behavior where you act like you're some guy walking around with a scepter ready to hit people over the head and have them bow before you. We're not talking about, you know, goofy stuff like that, unscriptural stuff like that. But there is a, a strength of the Lord, the Lion of Judah, on the inside of you that creates a kingly anointing in you that wants to be expressed. Woo, praise the Lord. And it's often expressed through behavior. Now, we need to walk in the Spirit so that we can flow in this kingly anointing. But we also need to know that it is our destiny. And knowing our destiny, also, our destiny and our identity, they must sync together. Because you'll never reach your destiny thinking that you're a mouse, thinking that, you know, you're like some kind of a hobo and God wants you riding the freight train for free. No, there are certain identities that if you identify them and they're the wrong identity, then you cannot come fully into the complete manifestation of your destiny. So we've got to get it right. And I want you to know today from the word of God that it is God's will that you reign in life as a king through Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord.
I'm not saying that you're going to be a prime minister over a nation. Well, there's only 220 something countries in the earth. And so, you know, those positions are already taken. But I'm talking about I'm talking about you ruling and reigning in your life as a king. Everything in order, everything working right. And if it's not right, you're on top of that situation, fixing it and you're making it right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And when your life is governed properly, then the Lord increases your sovereignty. It begins to expand and increase. Praise the Lord. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. I would say that the book of Ephesians could be the second greatest book that Paul the Apostle wrote by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It is the book that is so amazing that just when you think he has topped out a statement that is mind-blowing, then he stacks something else on top of that, and your head starts spinning. Theologians call it the book of superlative upon superlative. Praise God. It gets better and better. You go from super to super-duper. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, is referring to the power which he, which God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, the heavenly realms. Let me ask you a question right now. We all agree that God raised up Jesus from the dead. Here's my question. When God raised him up, did he just raise his head up? When Jesus was lifted up and ascended into heaven, was it just his head? And uh, while he's sitting on the right hand of the Father, is there just a head, you know, kind of like floating on the throne? When Jesus wants to walk around heaven, maybe he wants to go with the angels into the city and get a latte. Is it just a head, the head of Jesus floating around? Or was it the complete Jesus? Yes, head and body. Who is the body? We are. Who is the church? The church and the body are one and the same. So you have to understand that when God raised Jesus up, you were raised up in him. During that moment, you were raised up in him, and his lifting was your lifting. Praise God. The power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above, not just above, far above, all principality and power and might and dominion. See, all the yucky stuff, okay, all the evil powers, and every name that is named, sickness, disease, whatever the name of the sickness might be, you know, coronavirus, whatever it is, far above all of that stuff, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet. Now look, if it's under the Lord's feet, it's also under your feet. And that's the thing you have to dare to believe. Because throughout the body of Christ, not just Pentecostal, you know, charismatic, miracle-believing type believers, but, you know, Catholic, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, absolutely. Baptist, for sure. You have to understand that if it's beneath the Lord's feet, 
It's beneath your feet, regardless of what, you know, tribe you're in, regardless of what stream of the faith you're in of Christianity. If you're in the body and it's beneath the Lord's feet, that means it's beneath your feet too. And you need to believe that. That means coronavirus is beneath your feet. Swine flu beneath your feet. Bird flu beneath your feet. Sickness and disease beneath your feet. Lack and insufficiency beneath your feet. Confusion, suicidal thoughts, and all uh, depression beneath your feet. Do you think Jesus is depressed? Well, no. Well, if it's beneath him, it's beneath you too. So you have to begin to reign over it as a king like he does. And here's the thing. Here's what holds many believers back. They'll say, well, Jesus, sure, it's beneath his feet. Yes, it is. But the thing is, is that you have to realize it's also beneath yours. And that, that revelation is what begins to make the difference. That understanding makes the difference that, yes, I can reign over it because I'm in him. Now, remember Romans chapter 5, verse 17, you rule and reign as a king in life through Christ Jesus. It's through him. It's because you're in him. Praise God. Praise God. And when you start walking close with the Lord every day, that kingly anointing begins to bubble out. Hallelujah. The lion of the tribe of Judah begins to roar through you, look through you, rise up in you, and you just you begin to not accept defeat. You don't like defeat. You don't like being in bondage to something that you're supposed to be ruling and reigning over. Wow. And I know that these bondages can be a real struggle. I mean, it's heartless to tell somebody, hey, why can't you quit smoking? I mean, it's only a little four-inch piece of tobacco. Look, we know it's hard. If somebody's been smoking for 30 years, they are addicted. And yes, they may throw it away, but that craving, those urges, that, that, that stuff can run deep. And uh, w- whatever it is. But my friends, in Christ, when you really begin to walk with Him close, that kingly anointing will rise up in you. And I can't explain it, but I, I'll say this. That thing will begin to lose its power that thing that once ruled over you. Now, Paul was referring to ruling and reigning over sin. See, what had ruled and reigned over us through Adam? What was that? Sin. Well, Christ, the second Adam, overcame that, so now that we could rule and reign over it. Mm, Wow. Pastor Stephen, I want that. Yes. We all do. And you really have to contend for it. And when you walk with the Lord and you realize this is a reality, this is just as New Testament as the new birth experience. Hallelujah. And you can begin to rise above that, knowing that in Christ, technically, you already are above it. But see, you must have that understanding. You must have that understanding. I cannot let this thing beat me. I cannot let this thing defeat me because I, I'm technically above it. So I've got to rise up and I've got to use my kingly authority and begin to put things in proper order, get my life in order. And when you do that, that, that anointing just flows. That anointing flows, that kingly anointing, and things begin to put in proper place, proper place. And what's going on? You're starting to rule and reign in your life.
Now, you can't go over into somebody else's life. They're the king on their throne. That, that, that's their territory. See, Jesus told the 12 apostles, because you have gone through all of these trials and sufferings with me, he said, therefore, I bestow a kingdom upon you, and there's going to come a time when I rule over the world, that each of you, you're going to rule over the 12 tribes of Israel. One of you, uh, you'll have your own tribe. Woo, praise the Lord. And you'll have your own throne. Hallelujah. So if this is your tribe, you can't run over there and, you know, be the king over somebody else's tribe. Okay. Everybody has their, their respected areas of governorship. So you can be king in your area of dominion. But you can't jump into somebody else's life. Now, you can encourage them, love them, try to help them. But you can't jump in there and start trying to. No, that's not your territory. Praise the Lord. But in your own territory. And by the way, how many of you know, oftentimes we've got enough to do just within our own area. Hallelujah. You know, I, I remember when I was in my 20s, there was this lady in church. Uh, she was always trying to. Tell everybody else how to do it. Uh, brother, you need to live your life right. You, uh, sister, you need to tighten up in this area. Brother, you could do better. And, uh, you know, the thing that was so obvious to all of us as we kind of noticed what she was doing is that she's a perfect critic on everybody except for her own self. <laughs> and she had so many glaring faults. I mean, she had like fault lines that, I mean, she had, she had some deep personal issues and uh, uh, ended up doing some wild, crazy things. She actually actually just disappeared from the church one night. And uh, we never came back. We kind of would ask each other, hey, whatever happened to, you know, Sister Critic? Whatever happened to, you know, Sister Criticism? Well, she ran off with somebody and uh, with a wild guy that had just come out of a gang that just gotten saved. And uh, it was a crazy mess she got herself into. And uh, her, it brought a lot of grief to her parents. And I don't know whatever happened to her. Hopefully she got her life turned back around. And she began to, hopefully she began to take authority over her own life. And she would try to begin to put her own life in order. Instead of always trying to tell everybody else how to do it. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. But my friends, there is an ability to rule and reign First of all, I would say the most important thing over sin. Praise God. Hallelujah. That is the greatest thing. That is the greatest thing that Christ accomplished for us at Calvary. And then we can rule and reign over emotions. We can rule and reign over the things of the flesh. And we can walk in the spirit. And the more you do that, the stronger and stronger that anointing becomes. And the more beautiful the kingdom of Christ appears in your life. And it is extremely attractive. It is very, very attractive. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, we see that Christ was raised up. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Now, we know that Jesus is head over all things to the church, which is his body. And that's what you have to understand, that we are his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Praise God. This is, this is very, very interesting. This concept of kingly anointing, I would even say kingly authority. I would encourage some of you to re-examine perhaps 
some of your prayer request. Why, Pastor Stephen? Here's why. Because when Jesus ascended into heaven, he, he had initially before that his death there at Calvary, his burial, and then his resurrection, okay, from the dead, and then his ascension into heaven. Now, he was seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is still seated there. Now, that, of course, doesn't mean he just sits there for 2,000 years and he's never gotten off the throne and stretched his legs. And yet, yes, he can walk around, he can do things and, you know, appear to people in visions and stuff like that, or walk through the city of heaven, or just do whatever he wants to do. But that is the position often where he does sit there on that throne next to the Father. And that is where he has been elevated to. And here's what we need to understand that because of his lifting up, we through the eyes of the father have been lifted up with him. And there is a co reigning, a co regency where Jesus has delegated authority to the church, to you and I. And there are certain things that the Lord does not want us to pray about. Instead, he wants us to exercise authority over them and deal with them. And if it is a situation that requires kingly dominion, where in other words, instead of just praying about it, we go in there and do something about it. Well, if that's the case, we just need to go in there and do something about it and not spend hours and hours and days and days in prayer. Praise the Lord. Look, growing up, with our various children when they were sick and they were in our house under our authority and our care of me and my wife, Kelly, when they were growing up and they got sick and something, you know, something was, was on them where they're sick, you know, fever and all that stuff. We didn't say, Oh God, Oh God, heal them. Oh God, Oh God, do something about it. Well, pastor Stephen, how come you didn't do that? Because Jesus already did do something about it. There at Calvary 2,000 years ago, when he shed his blood for our redemption, and that redemption, that covenant package, that new covenant, includes not just salvation, but also healing. So, because he's already paid the price for that, and he's already made it available for his people, it's not something that you try to force God's arm to do. It's just something that you receive. And so, as a, as a king... In Christ, you just say, in the name of Jesus, you lay hands on your child. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke this fever. I rebuke this foul thing that has attacked my child's body, and I command you to leave. You have no authority to come into my house or to come into the body of my child. Leave them in the name of Jesus. And here's what will happen. When you know who you really are. In Christ, I'm not talking about a vocational Christian, one who occasionally reads their Bible, and, but doesn't really walk with the Lord. I'm talking about somebody who's a Christian who eats and sleeps and breathes this stuff. Then I'm telling you what, you put your hands on your child, that thing will leave. Absolutely. That thing will leave in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And you don't have to uh, pray days and days. You just walk with the Lord, and when something pops up, you operate in that kingly anointing and that authority and that thing leaves. And I've seen it happen over and over and over again. 
One time, when I was pastoring, I was, I, we, we, we had been worshiping, just praising the Lord, just singing. And our oldest daughter, Jennifer, she had a cyst that had developed on her wrist, and it had just gotten large real quick. It just came up very, very quickly, and it, it kind of looked like a miniature rubber ball. And I had noticed that during the worship service. And I just knew who I was in the Lord. That's all I can say. It had nothing to do about Stephen Brooks. It just had everything to do with knowing that I'm in Christ. And since I'm in Christ, I could rule and reign over that which is under my authority. And I just reached out to her and touched her wrist area where that was at just touched it and it just it just disappeared well pastor Stephen, where did it go i don't know maybe it went back to the kingdom of darkness from where it came but i knew that it was gone and it was an instant miracle hallelujah praise god so these are things that we just exercise authority over Praise God. And I think we need to really develop a kingly mindset. This will begin to extend into every area where you have authority over. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, and it talks about here how God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together. See, I'm telling you that when the Father raised Jesus, in the eyes of the Father, He raised us with Him, and it tells us so right here. And raised us up together, and made us sit together, co-ruling, okay? Co-reigning. See, Jesus is the King of kings. Well, who are the kings? You and I. The believers. He is the Lord of lords. Well, who are the lords that he is the Lord over? You and I. Hallelujah. You must develop the kingly mentality. He has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So you're in that place that's high above Everything down here that would try to defeat you, overcome you, humiliate you, or frustrate you. You actually are above it. And when you realize that in who you are in Christ and start exercising that authority, those things will start to back off and move out of your life. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise God forever. This is powerful. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Examine your prayers. If it's something that God expects you to use the authority that he has delegated you to deal with, then you don't need to spend all kinds of time praying about that. Just go right over there and just begin to exercise authority over that. Exercise dominion over that. Hallelujah. See, that's something that Adam lost. Dominion. But the second Adam, Jesus, won it back for us. Rule and reign. In other words, take dominion in that area that is a part of your life. That is under the canopy or umbrella of your life that God expects you to rule and reign over. Do it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Don't just sit there and let that sickness dominate your life. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm just praying that God will move. 
Uh, he did move. He moved at Calvary. He moved powerfully. He laid his life down to redeem you from sin, sickness, and disease. Now, based on what he did for you, rise up and exercise authority over that. Praise the Lord. I mean, out of your own mouth. Out of your own mouth. Say, sickness and disease, get out of my body. I cast you out in the name of the Lord. Oh, but Pastor Stephen, I don't know if I could do an exorcism on myself. Sure. Sure you could. You can exercise or drive out anything that's not supposed to get be there. This craving for nicotine, come out of me in the name of Jesus. Sure you can. Hallelujah. Of course you can. Is it, ask yourself, is it your body? Well, who has authority over your body? You do. Hallelujah. It's your body. It's your body. Praise the Lord. Take authority over it. Is it your house? Yes. Well, take authority over it. Clean it up. Well, I'm just praying. I'm believing God to send an angel to fix the gutters. No, no, no. Call somebody, a gutter cleaner, to get on the ladder and get up there and clean them out and then pay the person. You may not want to do it. I don't want you to get injured and fall off your roof. Hallelujah. But exercise authority. Take charge. If it's yours, exercise kingship over it. Every king has a kingdom. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 1. Let's go to verse 4. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Doesn't, doesn't that sound good? Mm -mm. Isn't that just like wrapping a beautiful, soft, Velvety blanket around your shoulders. Let me read it again to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and look at this has made us not is going to make us this is past tense. This means this is something that he has already done and has made us kings shout hallelujah. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Praise God. Now, I stand before you today behind this pulpit and I say to you, what are you going to do about this scripture concerning your life? Are you going to sit there and make excuses and bemoan your situation and talk about the circumstances? Or are you going to say, I believe God's word and I'm going to begin to walk in this and I'm going to begin to think with a kingly mentality, a kingly anointing. And don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that the boldness of the line of Judah begins to rise in you and you begin to conquer with the conquering anointing. Hallelujah. You conquer that unvacuumed carpet. It. You conquer that unmade bed. You conquer those dishes that haven't been washed in two weeks. You conquer that habit. You conquer this and you just begin to rule and reign. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Woo. I know a very, very well-known evangelist, world famous evangelist. 
And he talks about the moment. He shared the moment when God called him out by two prophets in a, in a very, very big meeting. And that was the breakthrough calling, even, even like a commissioning into the evangelistic ministry. And so one of the greatest prophets in the world called him out, basically with one of those glamorous words, glorious words, thus says the Lord, my son, I've called you as a prophet to the nations. And he did end up going to nations, over a hundred nations of the world. And uh, he's, he's a wonderful man of God. But he also, he, he told me that after the great prophet called him out in front of all the people and had him stand up and, you know, it was a great word. He said, after that, as soon as that service was over, another prophet came up to him and said, thus says the Lord, you must begin to put your life in order and you must begin to exercise. It really, he began to talk to him about the kingly anointing. In other words, you, you're going to have to start taking dominion over things in your life that you have, you've not really dealt with before. And my friend said, wow, hey, does he know about all the McDonald French fries Boxes I've thrown in the back of the car. In other words, eat the fries and just the box is empty. Just throw it in the back seat. How did he see all of that? See, God's saying, take, take kingly authority. Begin to govern everything in your life. Mm, everything. Well, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Steve, I've got these areas in the control. These other areas. Uh, I don't want to open those doors. You're going to have to open those doors. If you want greater influence and you want true sovereignty to be exercised in your life, the sovereignty of Christ. Now, me and my wife, we knew a very dear prophetess and she had the goods. She had the anointing. She, she had, she had the potential for, uh, I dare say a, 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 a worldwide ministry that would go around the world. But the ministry never got beyond the city that she lived in and she could teach really, really good, could give really good words of knowledge, really good prophecies. But she, let me say it like this. The storefront was very good, but what was actually in the rooms of the store, it was chaos. And while she could pull it together to present well before the people behind the scenes, for example, we had to go to her house one time, and when I went into her house, it, it was just, it was chaos. And I thought, how could anybody study in a place like this? How can you, how can you function this stuff out of order? And, uh, and I understand you can't always have everything perfect all the time, especially if you have people over, and sure, things can get some, uh, a little messy and stuff like that, but th this was beyond that. And then I was asked to get something in the garage, and when I walked into the garage, um, uh, I, it's like my brain kind of like froze when I looked at the garage. It was a vast, large garage, and it, it was it was crazy. It was crazy in there. There was it was boxes and junk and stuff. Just it was one hundred percent total chaos. All uh, flipped upside down. Something sideways. Something's right. It, and it was just like, uh, what in the world is going on uh, in here? Now, now look. If he just moved, I can understand that. It takes a while. It takes a while to unpack stuff. And but here's the thing: even if you're going to pack things, you know, shouldn't they be packed neatly? Does it have to be like just like total confusion, where it's just like you're never going to be able to find anything in here? 
Oh, and there was nowhere to walk. You've got to crawl over boxes. And it, uh, and it was just it was just like that. So my friends, there are areas and it's usually the secret areas. The Lord looks and says, you are going to have to go in there and you're going to have to put that in order. Kingly order. Praise God. And it's a way of thinking. It is a way of acting. And it is the wisdom of God expressed through the kingly anointing. Revelation chapter 5, verse 5. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose the seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And you redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us not going to make and have us have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Mm -mm. Pastor Stephen, what's what's my life about? Well, in some ways it is training for reigning. Yes. And if you get it right and you move into that bracket, that category as an overcomer, then you are qualified in the next realm. You are qualified in the future to rule and reign with him. Woo! Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, what happens if I never get it all figured out down here? But I, I do love Jesus and I am saved. Well, you're going to heaven, but you're going to have, you have to learn and learn. And you'll, you'll have plenty of time. You know, welcome to eternity, right? But you have to learn and progress, learn and progress. But there will be positions already reserved on hold for those who overcame and moved into that place of it while they were down here on the earth. So you need to develop that kingly mindset. And it's very, it's very important. Uh, you have to go there in your mind first. Well, I would say it like this. Go there in your spirit, because it's got to be in your spirit. Put the word in your spirit. But is your mind working in conjunction with your spirit that understands it and says, oh, now I can begin to implement it in my life and get comfortable with it. Because for some of you, if it's new, that kingly anointing, where, where it'll take you to and what you begin to do, uh, maybe it's new. And as it expands, you will also have new experiences. And you need to be ready for that. You need to be ready for that because for some of you, the kingly anointing will take you into your own business. You will have these ideas that will come from the Lord and it's ideas of expansion and creation and uh, increase. And you may see a piece of property and you, you have the wisdom of God and you know that if you buy it, you'll be able to sell it later for profit. And uh, so you, these things are going to begin to happen. That's kingly anointing. That is the kingly anointing. Praise the Lord. And you, you just go with it. Praise the Lord. I was, I was in London one time, 
and we had checked into a very beautiful hotel. I was there to minister. And when I was checking into the hotel, uh, this was a large hotel, and, you know, we had, we had quite a bit of luggage, me and Kelly did. But we thought, well, we can get it. We can get it to the room. We don't really need any help. Well, the halls were really, really long, and the hotel had a very uh, unusual layout. And the, the carpet in the walkways of the hotel, it was just real thick. And so we're trying to pull all these bags and all of this luggage uh, through these long, you know, walkways and stuff like that. And, uh, whew, trying to figure out how to get to our room. And I, I, I was pulling a, a big suitcase in each hand. And then I had something stacked on top of each one of those. And I was, I was starting to get flustered. And I, I sensed the Holy Spirit say, stop. And so I just stopped right where I was at. And the Holy Spirit said, this is not a kingly representation of Jesus. Stop right now and ask for help and tip your helper. I said, okay. And the moment I had stopped and heard the Lord speak to me, the Holy Spirit, then I looked up right after he talked to me and there was a lady uh, coming around the corner I, who worked at the hotel. I said, ma'am, can you help us get, get our luggage to the room? She said, I would be delighted to. And that was the, I didn't know it. That was the general manager over the entire hotel. So we got the, to know her, and she, she was just so happy and so kind and uh, got everything into our room and helped us. And uh, it just, I tell you what, and, and then we tipped her. And, you know, my friends, there is a way of royalty that God wants you to move into where sometimes you'll catch yourself. Now, hold on a minute. I'm getting out of kingly character. And that, that doesn't mean that you're always like Mr. Ultra Cool. You know what I'm saying? But there is, though a stream that you walk in and you stay within those parameters. And if you do start to get out of it, the Holy Spirit will help you with that and say, no, no, the, the, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. Praise God. And you have to let him teach you because he will teach you how to walk in royalty, the royalty of every believer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And sometimes you have to just sit back and get comfortable with it. I'll give you another hotel example. We were in Seoul, Korea, and the host for the conference that I was speaking at had put us up in a five-star luxury hotel. And this, this was not like just a little bit above four. This was way beyond four. This was like ultra five-star hotel. And the host said, anything that you need to eat, you know, outside of the meals that we'll, we'll take you out to. And they took us out to, you know, these lavish meals where, you know, you eat for 10 minutes and you're full, but yet you, it's just the food goes on and on. Anyhow, the host said, while you're here, if, you know, if you need anything, if you want to eat anything, you know, on your, on your own, you want a break or something like that, you want to get something, just go ahead and get anything you want and it'll, you know, put it on the room and we're going to take care of all of that. I said, okay. So there was a few nights that after I'd ministered, I would come back and I, I would like, you know, like a little cappuccino or something like that. So me and Kelly, we would go to the lobby. And I remember the first time we went to the lobby and uh, they had like a dessert uh, uh, area. And so I ordered a cappuccino and wanted to get a dessert, like a little apple tart. Okay. And so, you know, you open up the little dessert menu and... You know, you, you would think that you're eating at a steakhouse, okay? The price of a cappuccino was the same price as a filet mignon 
if not perhaps more. But you know what? That's just what the price was. And trust me, the host, uh, they're not having any struggle paying for the, uh, you know, for the bill because they were very, very blessed and a very, very uh, wealthy church. And so, you know, it is what it is. You just order it and you drink it and you enjoy it. Now, would I normally go out and spend, you know, that much money on a little tart or a little uh, cup of coffee? No, I wouldn't, wouldn't normally do that. But since I'm there and they're hosting and they're saying, please, you know, you know, avail yourself to what we're making available to you. I, yeah, yeah, I can walk in the kingly anointing. I can enjoy myself in that. See, Paul said, content in all things. And he talked, he talked about how he was able to be content in times where, hey, you don't have all the accessories. And at other times where you're in great abundance. And you just, you're able to adapt to any environment. Not just going down, but going up. Because some people, they cannot adapt when it moves into going up. They, they're uncomfortable and they don't know what to do. So that's why that kingly anointing is very, very important. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. You know, I was in Singapore one time and hanging out with the pastor. He took me and my family out to eat at a beautiful restaurant. And it's just, the food is just, you know, phenomenal. And it's just, and they're saying, eat more, Pastor Steve. And I'm like, you know, where, where am I supposed to put it at? I, I you know, I, I can only eat so much, but, you know, just bring, bring in more, bring in more, bring in more. And uh, a very, very wealthy church. And it was the blessing of the Lord. But, you know, the pastor said, he said to me, um, he said, Pastor Stephen, he said, there's a, another church in, in Korea. Now, look, the reason I tell you this is because I want you on purpose to understand not everybody is hurting for money. Not everybody is broke, struggling, just trying to get by. And, you know, I, I'm here to tell you that God is blessing his people. And if you tie into the blessing covenant, that covenant will work in your life and you'll start going up. You'll start going up. Hallelujah. Because there are millions and millions, hundreds of millions of wealthy people that are doing just fine. And God's got a place for you of blessing. So the, the pastor in Singapore said, um, and he, he himself was a multimillionaire. And he was telling me that he said, did you hear about the church in Korea? And he named the church. He said, did you hear about the offering that the pastor just took? I said, no. He said, the pastor went before the people and said, we want to receive now an offering for the new building project. And, you know, we've been praying about it. Now's the time to, you know, raise the funds for it. So let's take an offering. And so everybody give. And, you know, let's build this, this new facility. And what happened is that so much money came in that I was told personally by the pastor in Singapore who knew all about it. He said so much money came in that 30 elders, the pastor and 30 elders stayed up all night long. Now, you've got 31 men. There are probably a few other people helping, too. They're counting money all night long. Literally didn't go to sleep. Sun came up. They're still counting. And they couldn't count all the money. Millions and millions and millions and millions. I'm not exaggerating. Millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars just, just poured in. And they, they couldn't even count it all. <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, not everybody's struggling. Hallelujah. God has his eye on you for kingly anointing. Kingly anointing.
Hallelujah. And it's going to touch every facet of your life. It's going to move into your financial area, the financial facet of your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'd gone to a certain city to minister, very large city in America. Uh, a prophet friend of mine, he's a cool guy. He's a good prophet. A little bit maybe flies by the seat of his pants sometimes. Well, maybe not sometimes, a lot of times, maybe all the time. He's just kind of like, if God tells him to do something, he'll just go do it, and he'll, he'll figure it out while he's doing it. And he, he's just like that all the time, but he's a, he's a good prophet. He really loves the Lord, and I've had him speak in conferences I've had before, and he's had me come speak with him, and we have a lot of fun. Uh, but he asked me and my family to come speak at a conference one time, and he said, come on. He said, come on, Brother Stephen, let's go do this conference. I said, okay, okay. And so we, we get ready. And so my wife, uh, she calls and says, hey, where are we staying at? He goes, oh, I've already got it all covered. It's, it's going to be good. And she, she said, hey, well, that, that's cool, you know. And we, we love each other, but, um, uh, yeah, you know, she's basically kind of saying in a nice way, hey, look, I know kind of how you operate. Sometimes you just kind of wing it. So we, we're, we're going to come out there, but we need to know ahead of time where we're staying at. He goes, oh, it's a very kingly hotel. She said, can you tell me the name of it? And uh, he said, yeah, this is the name of it. She said, um, are you sure this hotel is okay? And he goes, oh, no, it's okay. It's a kingly hotel. So um, we go, okay, all right. And uh, we show up, and we check into the hotel. And, you know, as we're going to the hotel, checking in, we just know this is not a good hotel. And I'm not saying I'm some kind of like, you know, stuck up snob dude that, you know, I've got to have something. Not, I'm not like that, okay? I, I, I've traveled all over the world. I've spent nights in airports. I've, uh, I've been in grass huts, literally. I've been in mud huts. I've, I've, been, I've been in places where, I, if I can say humbly, I've paid my dues. So I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, you know Mr. Critic or something like that. I'm just saying there, there's a proper way to do things. And so when we saw this, we were concerned because it was on the, the drop-off side of town. It was on the troubled side of town. And if you're in a troubled area and you're surrounded by all of that, you've got to go in and out of that. That can create problems when you're not a normal person. Okay. In other words, when there is an anointing on you, you stand out. And it doesn't have anything to do with your skin color. It doesn't even have anything to do with your financial level it just has to do with the anointing and you have to watch out because the devil would love to take a hit on you if he can get you into an area that's dangerous that's why there's some places I don't go and I've got the invitations I, I just had an invitation to speak at a place where it, it would be a mega crowd but the Holy Spirit said no no don't don't go there because you you you're not you, you know, that's not going to work for you. And I, I know it won't. So I, I, just, I just can't do it. Some things I can't do. But um, so me and my wife, though, because of the love for our brother, we went ahead and checked into the hotel and um, did the meetings, had good meetings. And then the, the day we checked out, we checked out of the hotel, put our things into the car, in the parking lot, our belongings, and, and said, we need to get out of here quickly. This is not a safe area. This is not a safe area. And we got out quickly and left the area. Now, just 30 minutes later, 
He checked out of the, the hotel, went out into the parking lot to the car, the rental car that he had. And when he went out into the parking lot, he walked right into the middle of a full-blown gang war where this gang on this side are shooting at the gang over on this side and they're shooting back and forth at each other, trying to kill each other. And he got caught right in the middle of that. Woo. Uh, Pastor Stephen, no problem. There's a kingly anointing hotel. Well, no, that that's not. And so this thing with mentality, you have to work on your mentality and you have to let the Holy Spirit take you into new areas, take you into new areas. Me and a businessman one time saw that prophet, the one I'm telling you about, you know, with the, the put us in the crazy hotel, uh, the, 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 the really low level hotel. This was not even a, this wasn't a three or two. This was just maybe above a one, but it was in a danger area. Well, I tolerated it out of love, but normally I would never do something like that and, and wouldn't do it again. But um, me and a businessman saw that same prophet one time that his shoes were wore out. And you know what we did? Me and Kelly and that businessman took that prophet to a, a, a shoe store where they had nice men's dress shoes and we bought him new pairs of shoes. And you know what he did? He never wore them. He kept on wearing the old wore out. I, I mean, it looked like something a tramp, a homeless person would wear. He kept on wearing those shoes and, uh, and I mean, what can you do if, if that understanding that you are a king in Christ, if it's not there, you cannot force that on somebody. And if they don't embrace it, guess what? They can't step into the kingly places that God wants to take them into. They would be uncomfortable. They would be uncomfortable. And to be honest, in some ways, they wouldn't fit. They're not ready for that. Praise the Lord. So this development is very, very important because there are places that God wants to take you, for some of you, around real kings. Now, you are a real king, but you need to know who you are in Christ. And when you do know, you can stand with anybody. You can talk, converse with anybody. When you have a close walk with God and you are very solid in your identity in Christ, you, you can talk to anybody. Praise the Lord. And the Holy Spirit will get you to that place of mature king, anointing, king mentality. Don't ever forget this. Don't ever forget who your elder brother Jesus is. Don't ever forget that your Redeemer, who is your best friend, really is. Well, Pastor Stephen, what are you, what are you talking about? Verse 12, Revelation chapter 5. Verse 12, the many angels and many others, thousands upon thousands were saying with a loud verse, uh, excuse me, a loud voice in verse 12 saying this, worthy is the lamb who was slain. They're, they're speaking about Jesus. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. See, to receive power and riches. I, I'm telling you, Jesus has deep pockets. Let me say it like this. He has unlimited, infinite pockets with money and riches beyond anything you could ever comprehend. And that's your best friend. That's, that's who you're hanging out with in your prayer time. Mm, mm, mm. 
Mm, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And so he wants that anointing to flow into you. He wants what he has, those attributes, that grace to flow into you, into your mindset. Dominion over sin. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Lord, we give you praise today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's just an anointing. There is an anointing of knowing who you are in Christ, raised up far above all lack, insufficiency. I see great expansion coming to you. I see great increase coming to you. Hallelujah. I see a kingly mentality of who you are in Christ being released into you. Praise God. I had a lady in my church one time. She loved to go out and feed homeless people. And she really loved them too. Um, I'll tell you, she, she invited me and Kelly over to her house. Uh, no, no, she didn't. Let me re-explain that. She did not invite us to her house. She cooked some food at her place and brought it to us. She was very poor. Very, very poor. And I've been in the homes of poor people, okay? So, but she brought food to us and said, enjoy, enjoy it. And we took it home and we ate it. That same day, we ate it. That, we actually ate it for dinner. And it was probably some of the worst food I've ever eaten in my life. And I mean, it, it was bad. It wasn't like neutral. It was Awful. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't give that to anybody. It I mean, Kelly said the same thing. She said, this is horrible. Whew, this is some bad food. And she really had a poverty mentality. She, and she was saved. She loved the Lord. She just had no clue of her kingly identity. And so um, she would take pots of food and uh, the, these portable containers, and she'd take it out to the park, and she'd feed homeless people. And she, she would drop it off, and she would, uh, you know, they, they could come and scoop it out and put it in a, in a cup, and then they could eat it. And then she'd come back later and pick up the crock pot or whatever it was she cooked it in. These big things of food she'd make. Well, she came to me one day all sad, all discouraged. Oh, I'm all, uh, they were mean to me. I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, she explained to me that she had gone to the park, put the feed out, uh, excuse me, the feed, the food, okay, and the leader of the homeless people, a spokesperson for the homeless people, a, a, a man in socks with tattered clothes, a, a tramp, but a, a, a leader for the home, a spokesman for all of the rest of them there at the, at the place, you know, where they're all you know, laid out at, came up to her in a nice way and said, look, called her by name. Let's, let's just say her name was Susie, which it wasn't, but let's make that make-believe name. Said, Susie, thank you for bringing this food to us, and thank you for feeding us. But on behalf of the people, and myself especially included, we have to be honest with you and tell you, we cannot eat your food anymore. It is awful. We would almost rather starve to death than eat this, what you call food. It's, it tastes horrible. Please stop bringing us this awful food. And so she was just like crying and weeping. And, uh, and uh, I, I just I couldn't help it. I just laughed. 
And she said, Pastor Stephen, you're laughing. I said, yes. I said, look, they love you. They're just honest with you. And I have to be honest with you, too. The food that you brought for me and Pastor Kelly, it was horrible. We, we couldn't finish it. It was, it was awful. We had to throw it away. And so you, you're going to have to change your mentality because you're serving awful stuff. And you have to get this kingly anointing, kingly way of thinking. Now, I'm not saying you're going to go out there and start serving them steaks. But look, look, maybe, maybe at least a good hot dog. You can do better. You can do better. And the, the food that you're eating also yourself, it's killing you. And you need to stop eating this trash food. And she would eat these cookies that were the most awful cookies. I said, you need to go to the grocery store and the, for the first time in your life, go to the section where they have the quality cookies. The, get, get like the Pepperidge Farm oatmeal raisin cookie. And for the first time in your life, would you treat yourself right like you're actually a child of God? Would you treat yourself like a king and buy a bag of cookies that cost $4? Oh, I've never spent more than 50 cents on a bag of cookies. I, <sighs> I said, would you do it for the first time in your life? She she said, yes, I will. And she came back so excited. She said, Pastor Stephen, I've never tasted anything so good in my life. Now, now, she had no idea. That's just store-bought. There are levels of cookies way beyond that. Mm -mm. But just a little bit of expansion of the kingly anointing can alter your world. Mm -mm. Hallelujah. And it can touch you no matter what strata or level you're at. Whether you're on the lowest level feeding food or whether you're on the highest level and you're feeding nations. Praise God. The kingly anointing can go a long way in communicating the proper, not just spoken message of the gospel, but the heart, the compassion of the gospel that goes along with those words that really conveys, I really do love you, and let me show it to you. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, I pray for everybody that's watching that the kingly anointing be released in their life an anointing to govern and rule in their life very, very properly, very, very properly. Thank you, Father. And reaching out and extending through the increase that you give them to be a blessing to others. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for this grace being released. Put your hands on your head. Kingly mentality. Say, I receive the kingly mentality, the mind of Christ now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to show you one more thing, one more thing before we take communion that will really help you to be a great king. Praise God. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Verse 42. But Jesus called them that would be the apostles to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. Ever had a boss do that to you or, you know, managers do that to you that are above you in a work environment? Oh, they love it. They're, they're ego-driven maniacs, some of them. And you do all the work that makes them look good in some situations, but they, they never acknowledge it, okay? Well, Jesus said, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not 
be so among you. But whoever desires to become great, okay, kingly, whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And Jesus set the standard of serving as a king that served, as a king that gave to the point where he gave his own life. Praise God. So that is a big part of walking in the kingly anointing is serving and giving. Praise the Lord. So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for this anointing flowing, this mentality, this way of thinking. And I thank you, O oh God, that your Holy Spirit is going to begin to help your people come to a higher level. Mm, that some things that, why, that, that they've done before, they'll be starting to do it again. And you will, you will help to bring correction by your Spirit. Loving correction. Never condemnation, but correction. We thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah. Mm, we thank you. We thank you, O oh God, in Jesus' name. And we all agree and say, Amen. Woohoo! Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now, if you're watching today's program and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your King and as your Savior, He is waiting, willing, and ready to save you of all of your sins right now. So if you're ready to get your life right with God, pray this prayer out loud after me. Do it right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you as a sinner. I ask you to wash my sins away. I give my life to you completely, completely. Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I belong to you now. Amen. And as you have prayed that prayer from your heart, you do belong to him. And he is your Lord and Savior. And you will rule and reign with him forever. Praise God. Now serve him with all of your heart. Praise God. Let's take communion together today. Please grab some unleavened bread. A little wafer or cracker will do just fine. And grab some grape juice. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. We consecrate it and set it apart as holy. We thank you that this is the flesh and the blood of Christ, our Savior. Father, as we receive his body, we just thank you, O oh God, that we serve the King of kings. We serve the Lord of lords. And that we're going to live forever and ever and ever with him in glory. Oh, God, we thank you. We thank you. Lord, we thank you that we're training for reigning. We give you praise. Help us. Help us. Help us to do a good job and to be good kings. Thank you, oh, God. Thank you for, the, thank you for your Holy Spirit who's going to help us learn the, the ways of royalty. Thank you. Mm, thank you, oh, God. Woo, thank you, Lord. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Mm, you know what? Some of this is so simple as, I mean, the Holy Spirit will teach you. Don't eat garlic today. Oh, well, that's my favorite food. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to eat or not eat. Yeah, you eat all that garlic, and then you're standing before somebody that can open a major door for you, but you blow the whole thing because your breath smells like a dragon, and it turned them off, and now you've lost favor. 
Well, hey, look, I'm telling you, he will teach you the ways of royalty, and it, it will go down into fine, nuanced areas. Father, we thank you that as we receive the body of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will be teaching the ways of royalty. We receive his body, his promises, now, in his name. Amen. Let's partake. The ways of royalty. The Holy Spirit will show you the right shoes to wear. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm -mm. It, it was the Holy Spirit being symbolized through the advisor to Esther, who told Esther, look, this is what the king likes. The other ladies don't know this. This is the clothing style he likes. This is the kind of like look he likes. So do your hair this way. Wear these clothes. Go in there and knock him out. And she obeyed the suggestion, the advice, counsel of the advisor. That man, that advisor, was an Old Testament type shadow of the Holy Spirit. Mm -mm. Woo! And Esther learned the ways of royalty. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you that, thank you that those that rule and reign with him will also sit with him at the royal table and feast and sup with him. Thank you, Father. Get us ready. Get us ready. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, make us into overcomers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's receive the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Straighten your crown. Praise God and have the kingly mentality that is the mind of Christ. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.